I think it kind of goes back to what you mentioned earlier, and that's some patience. So I've seen a lot of people over the years that have started blogs and they start off and they're doing really well, but they don't think they're doing well. And so they give up. I think it, you need to have a long-term focus and you have to be prepared to put in. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Fi Show. And none of this would be possible without my awesome co-host, Cody. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Justin? I'm chilling in North Carolina right now. It was a blistering hot day, about 95 degrees. How is life back in Boston? Well, we're getting some warm temps out here, too. Um, Got up to 83 today, got my fitness on, ran a little 5K, but... You know, enough about us. We got a very interesting story on the show today with Mark from Vital Dollar, and he's taken some websites and sold them for huge dollar values. But let's not give away the whole episode. Take it away, Mark. I've always been interested in money. I was raised, my parents were always very careful with money. We didn't have a lot growing up. They were fairly low income. So they were always very careful with money and budget and they actually used like the cash envelope system stuff way back when I was a kid. So I was just raised to, you know, be very conscious of money and to take care of what I had. And as far as, you know, once I became an adult and uh, once I got out on my own after college, my income was pretty low at first. So, and I, when I was living on my own, I was just trying to get by from one paycheck to the next. So I started you know, tracking all my expenses. Uh, you know, if I spent a dollar, you know, on vending machine or something, I would, you know, track it in a spreadsheet. I tracked everything. So I've always been pretty careful with money. And it's been, you know, once I started working and I started realizing that I didn't really want to work until I was 65, I saw the importance of investing wisely and, and you know, taking care of money for allowing me more freedom in the future. So it's it's kind of always been there. I have wanted to start a financial website for several years, but I just didn't get around to it because of other projects. I didn't, you know, didn't have time to do it until last year. So let's rewind a little bit to like high school and college, Mark. So what exactly did you go to school for? Because you did mention that you weren't earning a high salary straight out of the gate. My college degree, I actually have two bachelor's degrees. I have one in business administration, one in Bible. So I went to a Bible college where everybody had a dual major. Well, I guess you could just Bible, but everybody who did like professional degree, like business, we also major in Bible. So my intent along was to use the business degree for my career, not the Bible degree. And I just had trouble, you know, the, like the first few years out of school, finding a job that, that I enjoyed that, you know, give me some opportunity to grow. So the first couple of years out of school, yeah, I wasn't making very much. I worked for a small business consulting firm the first year. And then I bounced around jobs in the finance industry and stuff before settling in a little bit. You mentioned being pretty disciplined with finances, like even having spreadsheets and being pretty diligent with it. I guess at what point did you start looking at that, not just the spending aspect, but the income aspect and you know, how did that transition into you starting your own businesses? Yeah, so I think it was it was really in my to late twenties that I really kind of changed my mindset a little bit. Like I think growing up I'd always assumed like I'd go to college get out of college, work hard, I'd, you know, find a decent job and everything would be, you know, would be great. I just find a job that I liked and, and stay in that job and just, you know, kind of move up the ladder throughout my career. But when I got out and started working, I, I saw the reality of corporate America and, and the way things really work. 
it, it was discouraging. I had trouble finding a decent job. I was working hard, but I just couldn't really, couldn't really find the right fit. Couldn't get ahead. And, and, uh, it wasn't until, you know, my mid to late twenties that I really started to think about other alternatives and, and started to think about self-employment running my own business. You know, I guess I was 20, 28, I think when I, I started basically a side hustle doing some web design. And then that led me to, to blogging. I had web design blog and yeah, so I was 28 when I started doing that. And then, you know, pretty quickly I realized like, you know, this has some potential and the potential here is a lot better than I have at my time job. And so it really just changed my mindset. I had never really wanted to be self-employed before because I, I always kind of saw it as risky, I guess. Thought kind of like the safe thing to do was, you know, to go get a job. But then I realized, you know, through experience that the job really isn't safe. I was having a lot of coworkers getting laid off and stuff right before I wound up leaving my full-time job. So yeah, it was really in my late 20s that my mindset really changed to instead of looking at an employer, you know, as being the answer and looking for the right job to how can I, you know, go about doing things on my own to improve the situation. And so at that point, you're 28 years old. Do you remember what year it was? Yeah, so it was 2007. Okay, so back in 2007, you're a self-taught web designer. I'm just kind of curious how that works because it's a, it was a lot harder back then than it is now. You actually had to know some HTML. You couldn't just have all these wonderful plugins that do everything for you. So how exactly did you navigate that? Like, were you reading books? Were you learning from gurus? <laughs> yeah, mostly. I did have, um, I had one semester of a web design course my last year of college. It was an elect in the business program. And it wasn't a lot, but we did learn the basics of HTML. And that was where I got started. And for some reason, it just really clicked with me. Like I really liked it. And I saw a lot of possibilities, you know, like if I was able to create a website myself and not have to hire somebody else to do it for me, it was a lot easier to start a business, especially like as a side hustle. Because like you said back then, there wasn't, like, I didn't even know what WordPress was. I don't think it existed when I first started. Like when I was learning, like 2002, that's when I had that class. Um, and then over the next couple of years, yeah, I was reading some books. I was reading online tutorials and on blogs and stuff and just kind of experiment myself, you know, with, with HTML. Never got to the point where I was like, you know, great at web design, but I was good enough to to do like a basic website. I did some WordPress themes back in the day before WordPress theme. Or, you know, once it got to the point where the, the themes in the market were so easy to customize and stuff, then I kind of stopped doing my own WordPress themes. It was basically the course gave me the foundation and then just studying and learning on my own through books and online tutorials and experimentation. And can you walk us through what the monetization looked like? Like it, as you started, you know, at what point was it just more of a, a labor of love and maybe just something you enjoyed to where you started realizing, hey, this could be something I really have a future in? When I very first started, I was really looking to make a little bit of extra money doing some websites for small businesses and a few nonprofits. I did a couple like church websites and stuff and I didn't make much. It was just like, you know, a few dollars for like a couple page website or something. So I was really just for extra money, but I actually was making something early on because, you know, it was, it was a service-based thing. I wasn't trying to build this website at the time and focusing on getting traffic and stuff. I was just, you know, getting clients from friends and family and word of mouth and stuff. And then as I had a couple of clients, I started to think, you know, maybe I should try to get a little bit bigger. That's when I built a website for myself and I started a blog to try to attract traffic so I could get, you know, get some business from people that weren't just friends and family, like to, you know, to try to expand the reach a little bit. And so once I started the blog, then that's when I was putting in a lot of work without really making any money. I did get a few clients here and there at the beginning, but pretty quickly I realized I didn't really like client work. And I think part was I was attracting the wrong kinds of clients because I had really low prices. So I was attracting like 
really small businesses and, you know, who are just looking for like a cheap website. And so I was wasting a lot of time. I'd spend a lot of time talking to people, answering questions and stuff. And then, you know, they would move forward or they would move forward, but they'd be terrible to work with. And so, so I realized pretty quickly early on that I didn't really like the client work. And so I just started focusing on the blog and growing the traffic because the blog was actually doing pretty well. That's when I started to see other bloggers like you making money from ads and from selling products and affiliate marketing and stuff. And I thought, you know, that's when I really started to see like big potential, like full-time income potential was, was through the blog. And it really took me the first six months of active blogging. I wasn't really making any money aside from the service that I was doing. Like I would occasionally take web design clients, but the blog itself wasn't making money from anything for a good six months, but it was growing in traffic. I waited until I was getting like a hundred thousand visitors a month until I put any ads on the site. At that point, then I started making, you know, a few hundred bucks a month or whatever. And it was a total of about a year and a half until it got to the point where I could quit my full-time job. And so that website was your photography business. And that's just for me kind of knowing your background and your story a little bit. But is that correct? That was actually not my photography because that was a web design blog. And then after that, I sold the web design blog and then I had the photography stuff later. Oh, wow. Okay. So that very first one was a web design blog, just focused on what, making your website look better? Yeah, just web design, graphic design, a little bit of like WordPress stuff. Okay. And so at some point you shut that down. Someone must have come in with a high enough offer where you said, screw this, I'm going to take the money and run. And then you go and start this other photography website. I'd love if you could just kind of talk about the development of all these new ventures and where this entrepreneurial spirit kind of emerged from. Really, a lot of it was just seeing what other people were doing online and, you know, just being inspired by seeing other people building online businesses and thinking that, you know, it's something I can do from home, something I could do a flexible schedule. I can grow. I don't have to wait for somebody to give me a promotion or wait for an opportunity. I can just, you know, earn whatever I'm able to earn. And so it was just, you know, the challenge of it and the motivation to try to make more money. So the photography started after, you know, I had had the web design blog for several years. I, I started it in 2007, went full-time in 2008. I sold it in 2013. And somewhere, I think it was like 2012, I started the photography sites as, uh, I started one photography site as a um, kind of a, basically a side hustle at the time. So I had just gotten into photography and thought I could probably make some money with a website. And I just, you know, put some time into it and created a few digital products and I wound up selling them and they did pretty well. And so, you know, it started to grow a little bit and it's to the point where I felt comfortable selling the web design business or the web design blog rather, making photography site my full-time income. So I'm really curious on the actual sale of some of these websites, like how that goes down. Like you got to get the evaluation. These are some very high dollar values, which I'm sure we'll get into, but you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. How do you be sure that on both ends, somebody who's buying the website from you, how do you show that it's value and then... You know, what is this, that process look like for pulling off a transaction like that? Well, there's a number of different ways you can go about it. The bigger transactions I've had have, I've sold to someone that I knew. So it's a lot different than if you have no prior contact with, between buyer and seller. So there was trust on both ends. So actually to go back a little bit, back in 2010, I had sold a, a web design blog. I had actually started a second web design blog and ran that for like a year and a half part-time. And I wound up selling that for, it was $50,000 in 2010. And I didn't know the guy who bought it from me at the time. He was kind of a friend of a friend, but we stayed in touch and he was actually interested in buying my other site. It was bigger and it was actually the first one that I had started. So he had asked me a couple of times about interest in 
selling. And I said, no, you know, I'm not interested yet. And I will be at some point, but not yet. I knew I hadn't really maximized the, the income from the state. So I held on to it for a few years. And then when I got to the point where I was ready to sell, I reached out to him and uh, said, hey, you know, think about selling. And here's how much the site's making a month. And here's what I'm looking for. And I actually talked to a few other people too within my work and, you know, trying to, to find a buyer. For that sale, it was just, you know, just talking to people, my network and in particular that this one guy and he wound up taking on a partner and buying the site from me. So there wasn't a whole lot involved there because he was familiar with my site already and he was interested in buying it and he was familiar with me and he trusted me. He didn't even verify the income or anything from the site. I told him what it was making. I gave him a spreadsheet, you know, like here's what I make, but he didn't like check PayPal. He didn't check bank statements. He didn't check any stuff because he trusted me. And what was that value like? I know you mentioned the first one. It sold 500000 He took that on just uh, spreadsheets and no hard evidence. That's pretty, that's pretty insane. So I'm actually really curious about just your mindset in terms of why do you want these lump sums instead of a... seems like you're the type of guy who just loves building these businesses up. Like, is there some threshold or some amount of work that at some point you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'll just take the lump sum and start something else. Because I'm sure if you wanted to, you could ramp those things up to crazy monthly and annual incomes. Yeah. I mean, that first site that I sold for 500000 it got to the point where I didn't really want to run it anymore. I don't like having a lot of people. I like working by myself. I outsource a little bit of work. I've never had a virtual assistant. I've never had you know any employees or anything. I hire freelance writers you know, for some of my sites and I've hired some freelancers to do like some graphic design or web development when I need it. But I don't have any like normal people. I don't really have a team. And up to this point, that's been the way I preferred it. I think I I might change that in the future. But it's to a point where, you know, I just don't really want to do it anymore. After running the site like six years, I'd gotten up to the point where, you know, the traffic was fairly high, the income was fairly high, and I knew roughly what I could get for it. I sold it. And to me, the lump sum was just better than continuing to run the site. So part of it is being able to get rid of that time commitment. You know, when I sold it, I was spending like 20 hours a week on it. So it was being able to free up that time and do something else. And it was also about just like cashing out and taking that lump sum because there's no guarantee the income is going to stay. But for me, it also got kind of stressful running a high traffic and somewhat high revenue website. Like, I, you know, towards the end there, my profit was like that site was averaging over like 20,000 a month. There were some times that were like, were pretty stressful. Like I had an issue. So part of the site had a membership aspect to it. So I had like recurring payments and they were coming in through PayPal. Well, there was an issue where because of changes for PayPal, I had to upgrade the software on the membership site and it wasn't quite stable. The, the upgraded version wasn't considered in beta and it wasn't stable. And I didn't really want to test out on this site that's making like over 20000 a month in profit. And I had a hard time finding a developer who could do it. The woman I hired she eventually got it done, but there were like, there was one point where we actually upgraded everything and then it, it crashed and we had to like roll back in the middle of the night to the previous version. And like, there was a lot of stress. Like, you know, I've spent five years building up this website to get to this point. And now what if I have some technical issue like that, that just like really hurt my income. So it was things like that that made me think like, you know, I'm ready to sell it, take money, let somebody else deal with it and move on and use my time for something else. And then the photography blogs, which we haven't really gotten into yet, but when I sold them, it was more about time. I just didn't have the time to do a good job with them anymore because I had some other things going on. I had an Amazon FBA business that was taking up a lot of time. I knew I couldn't do everything 
and do a good job of it. So I had a buyer, which was actually the same guy who bought the web design blog from me. He was interested in buying it and I had a good price. So I wound up selling it basically just to free up the time. When you make one of those sales like that and you're transitioning something that's, you know, like you said, this is a huge thing, a lot of traffic, a lot of income coming in every month. What is that transition period like? Like, do you offer yourself to to be there to kind of get them off the ground for six months, a year, or what does that look like? In my experience, it's we put it in a contract. And the main reason is I've wanted to have it in the contract so that I'm not on the hook forever. You know, like I'm not expected to continue to provide support forever. So the first two, like bigger ones, I think, I think it was, I think the contract only said like 30 to the first 30 days I would be available. And I was advised by my attorney to put hours in. So like not just say 30 days, but to say I'm available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll, you know, put in up to, I think it was something like 50 hours in the month, something like that. But the situation I had with the guy who, who bought those sites for me, we were friends and, you know, first of all, he didn't really, he knows what he's doing. He really didn't ask very much of me, but if he came to me later on after those 30 days, you know, I would help him in any way I could, but I kind of had that in there for my protection so that I was expected to constantly provide support. And if that happened, then I could go back and say, you know, if the contract says, you know, I'm committed for 30 days and we're now, you know, at 60 days and I can't continue to, you know, put in these hours to stuff. But for me, it wasn't an issue, but yeah, it's, it's always been in the contract. And I told the site, this year, well, actually, today's January 2nd. We're recording this actually because it was last year, August of 2018. I sold a site and that contract, I think it was 90s that I would provide support, but it was only something like a total of 40 or 50 hours over 90 days. So I'm super curious how you just have the motivation to juggle all these things at once. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you had six plus ventures going on right now. And it just seems like you build up a business, sell it, build up a business, sell it. Is there any off button in the near future or what does that look like for you? Well, actually right now I don't have that much because I did sell the one site earlier this year. I like to have like two, two to three things going on at once. I try not to do too much more than that because I just get spread thin and I don't feel like I'm doing a job with anything. And that's where I was earlier this year. And that's why I sold the site months ago. So you know, I, I do like to have more than one thing going on. And part of that, part of the reason for that is because I have sold sites in the past. And it, if I do sell a site, I don't really want to go back to starting over completely from scratch, right? I wake up in the morning and I have no idea what I'm going to work on and I have no income. So I try to avoid that by having, you know, one project that generates the majority of my income and then, you know, one or two other things that I'm working on on the side. And hopefully one of those takes off. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's kind of the way I try to to do it. It seems like, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years and you and you seem like you have a very systematic approach about all this. Is something like mentoring uh, new bloggers or coaching or anything like that crossed your mind or writing a book or a how-to? I really haven't done any like that. To be honest, I, I just started a website a few years back, maybe like five years back was folks on like internet marketing and, you know, covering some of the things I learned. And I really kind of turned off to the industry just because I felt like there's so many, so many people liking advice that I didn't really agree with. And, you know, so many people in like the make money blogging that I like to think that people who are telling other people how to make money blogging have made me blogging before they started telling people to make money blogging. But that really didn't seem to be the case several years ago. 
And so I just kind of got turned off to the industry and didn't really enjoy working very much. So I kind of let that project drop. So on my my newer site, Vital Dollar, I do have I do have some content about blogging and making money online. And I do plan to build that out a bit. I definitely plan to do a course of some type at some point. Mentoring or coaching is something I would possibly do in the future if I have time for it. But I haven't done that up to this point. So for someone who is just starting out, because I know that a lot of the things that you teach is like how to make money from something you like doing. You're not sitting behind a desk. You're not hating your life. So for someone who maybe does have a hobby, let's not even name a hobby, just like any random hobby, how would they go about monetizing that? Whether it be through a website or through some course that they build. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I think each hobby is a little bit different and you have to take a look at that specific hobby and the people who also share that hobby. So like my hobby was photography. So I look at what do hobbyist photographers spend money on? And there's a good bit of money spent online. Well, first of all, they obviously spend money on photography here because if you're, if you have any interest in photography, you probably know that cameras and lenses and all that stuff get really expensive. And that's actually why I started my photography site in the place because I wanted to make some extra money so I could justify spending a few thousand dollars on a camera. So there's, you know, people who are interested in photography are very willing to spend money. So they extend that and buy stuff online. So whether it's software, ebooks, courses, or plugins and add-ons for Photoshop and Lightroom, sort of stuff, they spend a lot of money. So you have to kind of look at the people who would be your target audience and say, what do they, what do they spend money on? If you want to make money, you have to, basically, you have to have people spending money on something. It could be a service, it could be a product, it could be a you know, digital product or a physical product, it could be information. So you have to look at the particular audience. I think for a lot of hobbies, I think doing a, incorporating a service is a really good option. So like with photography, I didn't choose to do actually, you know, do a photography as a service. Like I didn't photograph weddings or, you know, do family portraits or anything like that. But that's definitely something that you could, when a lot of people do, I wouldn't really recommend weddings as a hobby. That probably wasn't a very good example because they're pretty intense. You have to know what you're doing or you'll have a lot of upset clients. But, you know, I know several people who do photography as a hobby, as a side hustle and do like family portraits and, and do pretty well with it. So I think other hobbies, you could do similar stuff, you know, like a type of service that you could offer. If you're looking online, you know, blogging, you can make money to blog on just about any hobby that you can think of. You know, how, how you go about making money from that blog might be different. In some cases, it might be through ads. In some cases, it might be through like Amazon affiliate or um, other affiliate products or, you know, creating a membership site, basically you know, monetizing it through content. So I think you really have to look at, at the specific hobby and see what would be a good fit. But services, I think, are a really good start. And then if you want to 
be able to scale it. And, you know, like the downside to services is you're trading your time for money. So like say your, your hobby is guitar. You can guitar lessons in your, in your spare time. But when your schedule is full, the only way you're going to make more money is increase your rates. So if you wanted to scale that, you could, you know, create a website on guitar and you could sell online courses. And that way you're not, you know, when you're not selling your own time, you could grow that into a full-time income. You know, the same thing would apply to other hobbies. I think starting with a service is, is a good starting point. And then, you know, if you want to scale it up to something bigger, using something online where you can leverage that a little bit better. So another thing I was curious about for people who are starting out, you know, whether it's a blog or a podcast or whatever, and monetizing it, you know, you always hear people, most of them die out kind of the first six months to a year because they just don't see the money come in and they don't see the growth. So I don't know if you could walk us through when you're growing these sites, what that looks like from a time perspective. So I know you said, for instance, like the one got up to making $20,000 a month towards the end. Is the growth somewhat steady or is it like really slow and then just takes off? That one that you just referenced there, that was that was my first one. And that one grew pretty slow. Like like I mentioned earlier, I didn't really monetize the blog until I had higher traffic. I was kind of trying to build up the traffic before really looking to make money from it. I had a full job at the time, so I wasn't really in you know, desperate need of money. I was willing to put in some work and have some patience. But you're right, a lot of people give up in the first six months or a year because they're not seeing that income come in. So with that first one, I, I was by the one year point, I was probably making like one to 2000 a month, but that also includes some freelance writing that I was doing. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really the blog directly generating. It was a service that I was getting as a result of the blog. Other sites, you know, the, the photography stuff took off pretty quickly, but part of that was because I already knew what I was doing and I created product in the beginning. I didn't really to build up a website and build up traffic. I started with a product that time. And then I took that product to basically other people who had an email list. In some cases, it was an affiliate. In some cases, it was like a, a deal site, like a daily deal site. And I sold my product on, on the websites of other people who already had an audience and started making money right away. It was only, you know, a few hundred dollars a month at first. But, you know, within, I think I, ha- I had one deal that did really well, made me like $10,000 in like, that was like my sixth month probably. And of course that wasn't steady. I couldn't duplicate that, but you know, had a few, a few months in the first year that did pretty well. Um, so that one grew pretty quickly, but that, that was not typical. Then the other one that I just sold in 2018, I sold that one for a smaller amount. It was 216,000 that I sold that one for. It was also a photography blog. That one really didn't make much the first year. It was, you know, kind of a, a part-time project and I was focused just on growing traffic. And towards the end of the first year, I added some digital products and first time started to make some money from the site. So again, it was, you know, pretty much kind of just counting on nothing for the first year. So we've talked a lot about like business expenses and revenues and all the numbers in that, but I'm curious what you're doing in your personal life. Like, are you shoveling and just tabling all this money away into investment accounts? Because by the sounds of it, you don't have high costs of running these business. It's like mostly profit. And you're also getting these huge lump sums when you sell them. So what exactly are you doing on a personal level? Like are you just throwing it all in an index fund or doing some other day trading, whatever, some crazy investing? Nothing crazy. Mostly pretty simple stuff. Mostly with Vanguard, a few index funds. We actually have some like target retirement funds. That's the, the majority of the investments. I have started to try a little bit, a little bit of different stuff recently. I just opened up account with Fundrise last week to try to do some real estate stuff. And we do have a REIT that we've had for several years, but it's not a huge percentage of our 
of our portfolio or anything. It's mostly simple stuff like index funds. And we did also pay off our mortgage a few years ago. We moved since then. So then when we moved, we bought our house with cash. So part of it's tied up in that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty simple approach financially. Yeah, I was just curious because you seem like a guy who's got it together. You're a smart guy. So when you get handed $500,000, that could be a crazy opportunity for some new business idea. Yeah, it could. You know, I, I've thought about buying websites before, but I just haven't. I tried to buy one one time a couple of years ago. I put in an offer on a site that I wanted to buy. It was, I think I offered like $30,000 for it and I got outbid. So I do have an interest in it. I just haven't really pulled the trigger. I did try that one. I would definitely start on the smaller side. I wouldn't invest hundreds of thousands of dollars on something. Because I think part of that is I've seen a lot of, most of the sites that I've seen, so whether it was my own sites or sites of friends, people that I know, they usually go downhill after they're sold. Part of that is I don't think they're really run well sometimes, in some cases, but you know, I don't really want to be the one that doesn't run the site very well and sees income drop. So you know, I tried to stick with what works for me. And so far that hasn't involved buying websites, although I would like to buy a website at some point in the future. And so I'd heard on another podcast that you're still planning on working for like 15 more years. Now, is that just truly hitting a money target or do you just really love your job that much? Most hitting a money target. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's that's been my goal is to retire in, in about 15 years. At that point, I have two kids. My daughter's six, my son's three. So both of them, would, my son would be graduating high school in about 15 years. So my wife and I would like to do some traveling and stuff and I'd still be young enough to be able to... You know, enjoy retirement, but it would be still on the earlier side. So a lot of it is just to try to hit income goals. I don't really feel comfortable retiring too early. I feel like, you know, I I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I want to keep working because I love what I do. I, I do enjoy what I do, but it is still work. And, you know, even though I work from home, work on stuff that I like, still work and I still put in, you know, normal working hours and I'm definitely not retired or anything like that. And, you know, if our income were to go up more than I expect it will, I might not work the full 15 years. I might quit a little earlier than expected or something, but that's kind of my plan anyway, is to continue to work for 10 or 15 years at least. And do you know like what your annual budget you're looking to cover is or what the target number is? Or, I mean, because at that point, like you said, your, your children will be out of the house. So you could see some expenses actually go down. Yeah. Right now our expenses are like 60000 a year, but... We definitely could come back a good bit if we were to. We moved a few years ago. And if we were to move today, I wouldn't buy the same house that I bought a few years ago. We don't have a mortgage on it, but it's still pretty expensive to maintain the property and, uh, and the house itself. And, you know, it's a big house. We have a lot of utilities and stuff. So we could come back on that for sure. And obviously, except with the kids, they're out of the house, that will, will drop. But yeah, for right now, we spend about 60000 a year. So I kind of want to counter your point earlier a little bit where you want to wait to like travel and do things like that. Cause I feel like what you have now is like the ultimate lifestyle design. Like you could go anywhere in the world with Wi-Fi and earn tens of thousand dollars a month <laughs> on your side hustles and your site. So I'm curious if that's ever crossed your mind, like just go nomad and maybe bring your kids somewhere for three or four months at a time. Have you ever tried to travel with young kids? <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I have not. It's uh, it's not a lot of fun. So my wife and I did travel a good bit the last couple of years before we kids, and it was great. Except for we do on a, a cruise, a Mediterranean cruise for like twelve days, and I took my laptop. The internet connection was awful, and it would take me like an hour to check an email. It was terrible, and I had to pay like crazy fees for the internet access too. But anyway, so we did travel a good bit then. But my wife still had a full time job up until our daughter was born. So looking back, I wish we would have taken a year and like had to quit her job. 
We wanted to get the maternity leave and stuff, but I wish we would have just her quit her job and take a year and travel before we kids, but we didn't do that. So we have traveled some with our kids, but it's just such a pain when they're young because you have to deal with like, well, when they're really young to deal with nap time, feeding and chain diapers and, you know, the, the amount of stuff that fills up our car, like we'll go away for two nights and like our car is like totally packed full of all kinds of stuff, you know, for kids. It's just ridiculous. As our kids get a little bit older, I would like to travel more. And we're actually starting to a little bit more now. They're, you know, not the baby phase anymore. So we do travel a little bit. But now that my daughter's in school, that's that's another factor. We have considered cyber school. I, I get your point. I and I agree with you. But for me, the main thing, the main thing that has been preventing that is just traveling with kids. It's just, it's difficult. Yeah, I didn't expect that answer at all. That came right back at me. <laughs> but no, I have not traveled with kids, so I have no opinion here. Some people do it, you know, and they travel all the time with kids and they love it. But for me, you know, I get home from a vacation. I'm like, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to be home because the vacation is not relaxing. Like our kids are early risers and my daughter might get up at like four or five in the morning. We're on vacation and, you know, it's not really a lot of fun. So. Where are some of those spots that, you know, maybe when it is just you and your wife that you are looking to, to hit up, where, where are some of the travel destinations you're really interested in? Oh, and well, I like landscape photography. So my list of places, I literally have a spreadsheet with a list of places in every state. I think there are states that I have like, <laughs> there's no place in the state that I want to go to. <laughs> um, but other than that, I, I literally have an entire spreadsheet full of places. My goal is to hit all the national parks. There's 59 national parks in the U.S. I'd like to hit them all at some point. So I really long way to go not even 10 yet but um as you start traveling and you've kind of maybe moved into retirement do you think that there's going to be this opportunity though that's going to pop up where as you start doing all this traveling and all these you know maybe you do continue to get better photography and you start getting some of these great landscapes do you think that's going to kind of scratch you know you're going to get that itch to start up a new business with all the travel blogging and travel photography yeah definitely it's actually one of my plans is i'll probably do something related to travel number one because i bored if i don't have something to do. And number two, if, I, if I'm if i doing some travel related, there's always business expenses, you know, related to travel. So when I was running the photography websites, that was one of the perks of, of what I was doing. I could go travel. Like last year, I went to Acadia National Park and I only went for a few days, but, you know, I used those photos and I used like a write-up for my website and it was, you know, a legit business expense. And, you know, so there's definitely perks of incorporating something that you want to do into a business, you know, if it's a legit business and you can write off the expenses, that's a pretty cool perk. Never really thought about that. The old trip to Acadia is a nice little uh, business expense. Yeah, I mean, there, when I've been doing stuff like that, it really makes me appreciate what I can do for a living, what I'm able to do. Because, you know, I think back to when I was sitting in a cubicle and I just was hating my job, you know, sitting and looking at an Excel spreadsheet and staring at the cubicle wall. And that was about all I do. I've had the opportunity to, you know, go hiking in a national park. I'm, it's during my work day and I'm, you know, technically working. So it's a pretty cool opportunity. And so, Mark, before we move into the final couple of questions, if people want to get in contact with you, where is the best place they can do that? The best place is through my website. It's vitaldollar.com. If you go down to the footer of the website, there's a link to the contact page. Or you can just email me. My email address is mark. It's M-A-R-C at vitaldollar.com. Awesome. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And if you had one just tangible tip that you wanted to give listeners, whether it's they're starting out a blog, a business, or really anything, what would that be? I think it kind of goes back to what you mentioned earlier, and that's some patience. So I've seen a lot of people over the years that have started blogs, and they start off, and they're doing really well, but they don't think they're doing well, and so they give up. 
I think it, you need to have a long-term focus and you have to be prepared to put in, you know, six months to a year, like you mentioned, and not really expect to get much out of it. So if you have a long-term focus and you're not expecting to make money right away, you have a much better chance of getting through those initial months without quitting. And then at some point, you know, you kind of turn a corner and things start to grow. You start to get some traffic and start to make some money. And, and then you'll get confidence, you'll get motivation. Once you start to see some positive things, then you really enjoy it and you get motivated to work harder and just stick with it. So if you can just stick through those first few months or even a year and just keep putting regular effort into it. And that's the other thing is you need to have consistent effort. You can't work hard for a month and take a month off and not touch it. It doesn't usually work very well that way. But if you can put in a little bit of time every week consistently and stick with it and have some patience, you'll see some results. Yeah, I think that's great input to realize that the goal is maybe passive income, but it's not going to be passive to start and to just stick with it. All right, so Mark, we can't let you go without bringing you through the wild card question. And this is something that I don't prepare for, Justin doesn't prepare for, and you definitely are not prepared for. <laughs> so you're ready for this one? Uh, probably not, but <laughs> if not, you can uh, just edit out like five minutes of awkward silence while I try to figure out what to say. So we've talked about all of these awesome businesses that you built, and I'm sure there have been dozens of businesses that you built. And I'm curious what the biggest failure you've had thus far in your career? I think my biggest failure would probably be related to my first blog, one that in some ways I consider to be my most successful. I ran the longest period of time, made more money than I made with my other states and sold it for a mountain, but I left a lot of money on the table. And I did that in a couple of days. Number one is relied on just one source of revenue for too long. So like for the first couple of days, I really only made money through, through selling banner ads. And I did pretty well with that for that time, but I could have been doing a lot better if I'd focused on also using other monetization strategies. So then a couple of years into it, I started selling some products and later on I did affiliate stuff. And that's when I really saw the revenue really up. So even especially with the affiliate stuff, it was really only the last months that I owned the site they had a push for making money with affiliate links. Early on I used some affiliates like for web hosting and stuff. That was really it. I kind of tried to I wanted to take like a neutral approach and not look like I was pushing any particular product. And without really knowing it, I was a lot of money on the table. So before I went to sell the site, I tried to uh, ramp the revenue so I could increase the price that I could sell the site for. And with the last six months I owned the site, I, I took my fit revenue from a couple hundred dollars a month to over $10,000 a month. And I had been doing that, been running the site for like five years at that point. So you know, I wouldn't have been making that much every month for five years, but you know, you the math that the last few years I ran the site missed out on probably a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then if you look at the bigger picture, I probably also sold the site for more if I had been doing that for longer. So, you know, even though the site overall was successful, I left a lot on the table by not using mobile sort of revenue and and specifically affiliate marketing. Well, thanks again for coming on the show again today, Mark. You've just kind of shed some light into what is possible in this era of the internet. You can just scale your businesses up. You can reach so many more people and basically just live a lifestyle by design. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Man, Justin, another awesome episode. And something that really struck me was just how humble Mark is. Like if I sold a website for multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, I think I would be literally jumping up and down, spinning in circles. Mark was just like, yeah, whatever. I sold a website for 500K. <laughs> what did you think about the episode? 
I had the exact same thoughts. I'm like, man, if this was me, like I would have been first sentence out of my mouth. Like, hey, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have sold a website for half a million dollars. And it's not like he's just done it once, right? Like he's created this repeatable process where he takes an idea, he gets an idea, he builds it, he builds it, he gets that traffic going, and then he finds a buyer to sell these things for, you know, these six-figure numbers. It's absolutely crazy. But like one of the things I like that's transferable to the audience is that no matter what your niche is, there is a way to monetize it. Whether it's through ads, whether it's through courses, whether it's through services, whether it's through affiliates, Mark was saying there's pretty much a way to monetize anything. And I really encourage people who think that they don't have a hobby that's monetizable to go out and at least try. Because it seems like Mark has been super successful at that type of stuff. Yeah, to me, there's two things with that. I mean, like you said, any hobby, because he took two things that he was either good at or interested in. He didn't kind of try to reverse the equation and say, I wonder what I could make a ton of money on and then force himself into it. He took something he was already interested in. And then on the other side of that, you talked about the like the services and these kind of, you know, digital assets that you can resell. He kind of recommended, you know, it might be easier to start out with services, get your foot in the door, get some money going, but understand that doesn't scale. And then over time, transfer that into things like courses and eBooks. Yeah. And this digital nomad life might seem glamorous to a lot of people. What Mark's saying, he's still putting in work every single day. I mean, he's work still working a 40 plus hour work week. He's looking forward to retirement. And when I kind of challenged him on that, he pushed back with saying, Hey, have you ever traveled with kids before? And obviously I haven't done that. So I think he's going to try to do that full digital nomad life, or maybe he'll just quit work completely once his kids are in high school. Yeah, I mean, he really seems like he's in no big rush. He said 10 to 15 years, and his family is living on $60,000 a year, which, you know, in this community is a decent bit. So, like, he's not going into that deprivation whatsoever. He he realizes what is, you know, good for his life situation. He's not trying to live this extravagant Instagram life that we sometimes all get trapped into. And I think that's cool. I mean, it's it's cool that he understands what works for him and he's on that path. I mean, he's, he's making the plan, right? He's got the spreadsheet full of locations he wants to visit, but he's not burning himself out by forcing, you know, his kids to, to go on the road and bounce from town to town or live out of an RV. He's taking his time with it. He's on a great path. And that's just something we always try to do on the show is highlight that everyone's got a different path and that's okay. Don't compare yourself to someone else. And I mean, Justin, one of the things that, whoa, what, what is it, Cody? It's the call to action, man. And so on today's call to action, something we really talked about in this episode was Mark says it takes a while to really develop a business that starts to make money. Whether you're blogging, whether you're doing something else, these things don't just start spewing out dollar bills on the first day you you try it. So put some effort into something that might take three, six months, a year to start making money and just get your foot in the door. Start getting some of that traction. And if you keep going, if you just keep putting your head down, you push against those obstacles, you push through the pain of not making any money. Mark has shown time and time again that that is a viable way to build a business that will ultimately be successful. So Justin and I challenge you, if you have something that you think, there's no way this can make money, but maybe it can make money in a year, six months from now, three months from now, just try it, get your foot in the door and start it today. Yeah, that's an awesome call to action. And if you're not really interested in something that's going to make money, I mean, heck, even look at something physical, like maybe it's a run time or whatever it is. Just pick something, work towards it. It helps build that skill of perseverance. And if you did enjoy this show and you want to hear what the next kind of follow on achievements are that Mark is going after, then you can get all those details at thefishow.com slash Mark. 
And as always, if you want to be a part of the most inclusive financial community online, you can do that with our Facebook group page at thefyshow.com slash community. And as always, go out there, leave those five-star reviews because that helps us get the next great guest on for you guys. And thanks for listening. See you on next week's episode of The Fi Show. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.